when I'm mindful, I am encumbered. And being human is being encumbered. But in that mindfulness, I can then say to intuition, okay, wow, I'm feeling very griefy right now. What do I do about it? My target is to not feel this. And in the moment, I am then guided to make adjustments. And I don't mean angelic guidance. I mean data guidance. I am guided to make adjustments. And in those adjustments, I heal my past. In those adjustments, I change my future. Because as we know, when we are encumbered, when we are in ourselves, but we're struggling, we tend to be reactive. And reactivity helps us make those same mistakes that get us into trouble over and over and over again. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Hello, my cosmic baddies. Okay, wow. Sit down, get yourself something to eat, a little treat, pen and paper, because we have someone on the pod today who I know is going to blow your mind. This is a person I deeply admire, respect, and yes, I may be fangirling a bit hard for on the pod today. We have on New York Times bestselling author, Laura Day. She has spent nearly four decades helping individuals, organizations, and companies harness and develop their innate intuitive abilities to create profound change. We love that. Newsweek magazine calls for the $10,000 a month psychic, adding when business people need a crystal ball, they turn to consultant Laura Day, the intuitionist. The Independent dubbed her the psychic of Wall Street. And A-list Hollywood stars and Wall Street execs praise her ability to predict future events, including the 2008 recession, with astounding accuracy. As Brad Pitt has said, I believe in the gut and I believe in Laura Day. Hello, goodbye. Her job is literally to predict the future for companies and her work has helped demystify intuition, bring it into the mainstream. In her workshops and presentations, she demonstrates the practical, verifiable, and sometimes astonishing uses of intuition in the fields of business, science, medicine, and personal growth. Laura has trained thousands of people and companies to use their brains, perceptions, and sixth sense in effective ways to realize their goals. She's also the author of six best-selling books, which you can check out through the link in our show notes. And Laura has been featured in publications that include Newsweek, New York Mag, The Independent, Bottom Line, Cosmo, Marie Claire, Stella, and she's been on numerous TV networks. Oprah, CNN, Fox News, Good Morning America, The View, and I know you're going to be obsessed with her. So meet your new spiritual bestie, Laura Day. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for that great intro. Your bio, lady, your bio. Can we talk about it? (laughs) Well, you live long enough. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. When you live long enough, you're so cute. But There's so much I want to get into. First, do you mind sharing like your big three, Zodiac big three with the listeners? Not at all. You know, I am, I'm not an astrologer and I, I love finding 
amazing people. And I'm oddly surrounded by incredible astrologers um, like Gal Sassoon and the Cosmic Navigator, who I completely love. I am a zero-degree Aries sun. I am a Leo moon, and I am a very end of Capricorn rising with Saturn and Capricorn in the 12th house. I am definitely a troubled neurotic mystic born. (laughs) You are so hilarious. I definitely would have guessed the cap in the big three listening to, after listening to like a dozen of your podcast interviews. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. So I absolutely can't wait to hear, you know, you talk about what you do in your own words, even though I read it in the bio. But can you please share with the cosmic baddies listening at home how you got here? What I love about you versus all the people I listen to on podcasts or have on here is you found your way to this path in a little bit of a non-traditional or unexpected way, not through the traditional mystical path, but more through a scientific Yes. Well, very non-traditional when it happened, which was the early 1980s. At the time, universities, the military, were interested in the extended capacities of the human mind, ESP, psychic skills, whatever you want to call them. They certainly didn't call them psychic skills because there was a lot of defense-related uses. And so I became a test subject for a lot of these investigations. And It was really helpful for me because, A, I mean, I was 22 years old or something. I didn't even know what a psychic was. You know, I grew up in New York City. I, I, you know, didn't go out of the house without stockings. I know that dates me, but it was a different time. I had no idea that there was even a spiritual element separate and apart from this simple human capacity. What did amaze me was that everybody didn't know they were doing it all the time. And so I became a test subject on the condition of anonymity. And of course, man plans, God laughs. One was televised. And I had this instant, very overwhelming following. And because it was so disconcerting to me, and because I didn't have a belief system again, I wasn't trying to prove anything. Someone said, can you do this? I'd say, gee, I don't know. I'll try. I would try. They would document it and so on and so forth. I had a lot of kinds of people I had never met before. I mean, we forget how limited our life was. Well, I mean, some of you weren't around uh, at that time. But before the internet, your experience was really limited to your environment. And so all of these people who I didn't even have a place to put in my consciousness came out of the woodwork. What I was comfortable with was research, medicine, mathematics, business, to some degree, politics, until I got to know what politics is a little more than I got really scared. But uh, so that's what I tended to work with. My career is literally predicting the future for companies. It's you're right or wrong. There's no interpretation. It's very kind of grounded down to earth. And I think that's the best usage of intuition because life is hard enough without complicating it with too much philosophy around it. However, my joy in life is and has always been teaching others to use this ability to enhance their lives because one of the things you know intuition does give you is the capacity to, as my mother used to say, walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. And I really realized how hard life is for people and especially 
uh, younger people because you don't have the hit and miss experience that you have as somebody older where you say, oh, wow, I walked in. Oh, I recognize that wall. Shall I walk into it again or not? You know, you don't have that. So intuition really, I think, is such a practical lifesaver for meeting your goals, figuring out your relationships, knowing your own body, what helps and what doesn't, finding your way. And so I, I love, my love is teaching, my work is predicting. Mm, I love that. Well, you're such a great teacher. You just have such a great way of breaking down these really big, nebulous, intangible subjects into exactly like you said, practical application. And you keep it so real. And that's why I really like you. <laughs> Maybe it's like the inner New Yorker in me too, because I'm a Virgo from New York. And when I first started getting into this more, whatever, intuitive, mystical, spiritual work, I was like, I can't even, I needed to find people like yourself who were bringing something, you know, a little weighted, some receipts, as the kids say, into the equation. Because I'm like, I can't just be going around untethered, ungrounded in this work. Not only that, but it gets magicalized. It gets punitive. You have the high up people who are somehow better for some reason you can't figure out and the low down. And if you believe in spirituality, if you believe that we are one energy, that we are interconnected, then everything everyone else is and does is reflected in you and vice versa. And it really, when you put that into practice in your life, that awareness of the interconnectedness, it yields results. And I think results are important because beliefs are wonderful, but they're kind of shaky things to lead your life on. They're, they're not good foundations. Good foundations are things that you can verify, things that you know will work. Uh, when you pull them out and you know that they'll work consistently, although not perfectly. And of course, that is the drawback of everything. We want something that's absolutely perfect and safe. And there is nothing. But I think, and I go on Instagram every morning and get rank beginners to do readings. And one of the reasons I do that is we can really help each other. You don't have to be quote unquote somebody to in a very generous, grounded, practical way, lead somebody else because you have perspective and intuition to safety and vice versa. So if you believe in this billion dollar spirituality industry, you also have to believe that you have access to everything because you are one with everything and everything has access to you. So a little psychic self-defense, a little housekeeping does not hurt. And that's one of the first things I teach people is, wait, 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 wait. Before you try to become more intuitive, let's just clean up a little. What's your telepathy? Who are you talking to who's putting you down all the time that you need to stop telepathically giving access to? Who's in your body? And I don't mean for fun. I mean, who is energetically giving you stuff that maybe isn't useful? Who energetically do you want to exchange that kind of energy with? Where are you? I mean, at any given time, as you're all listening, you're not in whatever chair you're in or walking in whatever space you're in. You're in a million different places. And your power is in you in this present moment. So mindfulness, I mean, I'm married to somebody who's a big mindfulness meditator. And when I first met him and he said, well, I'd like to meditate with you. I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, I'm not doing that. 
Even Deepak Chopra tried to get me to meditate, and I was like, no, I don't think so. But he defined it as being present. And I realized, yeah, I'm not present very much. I'm great in the future. You know, I can move things around even in the past. I can go into someone else's body, but I don't know where my own is. And it was a really, it changed how I teach that the palate cleanser is mindfulness, is being present in this point in space-time, because it's only from this point that you can change your perspective on the past in a useful way. It's only from this point that you can use your perception of the future to make a valuable change and create something different for yourself. So I work really hard. My precognition is great, but my mindfulness is something I work on every single day when I remember. I relate to that so hard. And I heard you on a podcast say something along those lines of like, yeah, the future is easy to predict or to tune into. It's like the present moment where it's like, how can we be present? And also knowing that putting your fingers in a stream, it changes the ripple effect down the river or wherever it goes into. It's like, well, right here and right now, what we do and how we show up and how present we are and how mindful we are is going to affect, right, the things that we're looking to for the future. Lovely metaphor. And I thought about that in a different way, but the way you said it in this interview, I was like, oh my God, what a beautiful invitation to be more present. Like, (laughs) it was such a good invitation. And so I really like the way you said that. And I also wanted to backtrack because, again, I love... When I just love listening to someone who's been on this path, brilliant, has integrity, but brings their own little like um, rebellious, like a little like, hey, and I was cracking up talking about, yeah, feelings versus intuition and your hot take on that. So I want to hear you kind of like talk about the distinction of those, but especially taking on other people's feelings. I heard someone say something in an interview about being an empath or someone being an empath and taking on people's feelings. And you're like, uh, if that's the case, if you're taking on people's feelings and you're an empath, you need to go to therapy because you should not be feeling people's feelings. You should know what people are feeling, but not like internalizing that. And I just was giving you like air high fives when I heard you say that. <laughs> Yes, I tell people, people get very sensitive about it. But I say, if you're identifying as an empath, that's a psychiatric disorder. (laughs) Just like martyrdom is a psychiatric disorder. You know, it's not a sign of evolution. Because evolution is you're taking care of your own business. And you're doing it so well, you still have some left over to help people around you. Mm. But, um, you know, feeling is in fact, David Bowie on a tape, and I think it's an AA thing. But I was making a tape for this little girl who is now this brilliant PhD author. But this little girl who had been hit by a car and she was paralyzed from the neck down. Her name's Brooke Ellison. Look her up. She's written an incredible book. What I would do when she was first injured, and here I'm still probably in my early 30s, is I would go around in my life with a video camera. And in the old days, video cameras were heavy with a video camera. And I did one with David Bowie. Rosanna Arquette and David Bowie were doing a film called The Linguini Incident. Cute film. Check it out. And so I interviewed him for Brooke. And he said, feeling is in fact. Mm-hmm. And it really resonated with me. Feeling is not fact. Feeling is not intuition. Feeling could be that you need a sandwich. Intuition actually comes through without the entanglement of feeling. It is data. It has perspective. The exception is mediumship when you become something. But other than that, 
we use everything to scare ourselves as if life isn't scary enough. You know, we use everything to scare ourselves. Oh, I got this feeling. It means this. No, you got this feeling. It could mean a million other things other than this. And so I think that it's very, you know, anxious people use intuition to be more anxious. Angry people use it to be more angry. Depressed people use it to be more depressed. And people in denial use it to deny more. And that is a misuse Mm. of a very functional gift. And, And gift, I mean, like our sense of taste is a gift. Our sense of smell is a gift. So it's really important to say feeling is feeling. It's the other end of the spectrum from the data intuition gives. Feeling is feeling. Intellect is also the other end of the spectrum because intellect takes data, draws conclusions, but the data can be faulty. So intellect is midway. Intuition, uh, emotions all the way at the other end. Intellect's midway. And intuition is pure data before it's evaluated or misevaluated that you can apply to your life. And the most, and I definitely by the end of this interview want to give people kind of a simple template for engaging your intuition because you're intuitive all the time. You know, sometimes you're suddenly angry. You don't know why. Could be a drop in blood sugar, but more often than not, it's that someone you don't have a lot of boundaries with just got pissed off and you experienced that as well. And it's very important to clean that up. That creates obesity, that creates exhaustion, that creates depression. When you realize how porous you really are, you're far more careful about doing that cleanup, that psychic self-defense. And it's not putting a bubble of gold or light around you. Good psychic self-defense is you inhabiting you. And that's not easy. I think mindfulness is really hard because when I'm mindful, I notice the pain in my back the pain in my heart, the fear and trauma I carry with me. When I'm mindful, I am encumbered. And being human is being encumbered. But in that mindfulness, I can then say to intuition, okay, wow, I'm feeling very griefy right now. What do I do about it? My target is to not feel this. And in the moment, I am then guided to make adjustments. And I don't mean angelic guidance, I mean data guidance. I am guided to make adjustments. And in those adjustments, I heal my past. In those adjustments, I change my future. Because as we know, when we are encumbered, when we are in ourselves, but we're struggling, we tend to be reactive. And reactivity helps us make those same mistakes that get us into trouble over and over and over again. So there is a way to dance within mindfulness because our power is in the present, but we also need to experience a certain amount of ease in order to function properly and effectively. So there's a way to dance with that mindfulness that intuition really helps with. And intuition is rarely a substitute for action. I mean, yes, and send energy and stop the hands on a clock. You can also get up and just put your finger next to one of the hands and it stops. It takes less time, it's more effective. So it's really important to know when is information data that I do something about and when is it a call for healing or a call to redirect energy? And that really is experience. I mean, one reason that I go on live almost every day 
is that the repetition, our bad habits, our faulty beliefs are repeated over and over and over again. And it's really important to repeat adaptive things, to create new habits through simple rituals and practice and repetition and discipline, which as a Virgo, I'm sure you understand, that do create something different for us in our lives. They create a different structure. And it's just, it is so helpful to remember that, yeah, you can predict with a pretty good degree of accuracy. But if you're mindful, if you're engaged, if you get the information you need, and if you do something about it, you can change that prediction. You create your life. Mm-hmm. Can I have an amen? I, can I get an amen? <laughs> an amen from the choir over here? No, it's so true. The consistency. And again, I really appreciate the practical application of, yes, of course, intuition, energy, so important. But sometimes there's also on the other side of that, the inspired action and the things that you have to, to do. And sometimes it is just even faster to do it. And that sort of like. And if not inspired, disciplined. You know, sometimes inspiration it doesn't hit us. And I mean, I wake up in the morning and I write for 20 minutes. I don't wake up inspired two thirds of the time, but I apply a discipline. And discipline is necessary in changing patterns because our patterns are our default and we want better for ourselves. I mean, I, I really learned a lot about treating myself well in parenting because. I would never say or do to my child what I say or do to myself. Mm -hmm. And I really learned how to be a good custodian of this gift of self that I have been given. Now I really sound like a psychic, right? But to require a certain amount of integrity in the tools I use. I mean, belief is wonderful and the kind of spiritual information that you can't prove can be delightful. But how do you know it isn't that you just drank too much kombucha and you're hallucinating something? On some level, the proof, the reality testing is so important. And what you do find out is that you are fallible, but you are far more powerful than you realized. You really do have choices, not always easy choices. I think it's a vote of no faith to get predictions and then wait for them. It means you don't really believe in yourself and your experience of yourself hasn't given you that belief. And it's important to create an experience of self where your belief in self is based on some factual feedback. You know, I don't believe in myself as a housekeeper because I'm terrible at it. I do believe in myself as a connector of people because I have proof historically that I do that well. And I have become a better housekeeper over the decades I've been alive. You know, knowing your deficiencies is as important as knowing your strength if you approach them from an idea of, okay, I don't do this well. And it's not important to me. Or I don't do this well. It is important to me. How do I find those tools? And intuition can not only give you the tools, but it can lead you to other modalities and people and practices that can help. Mm, I love that. Yeah, the 
first of all, I'm laughing. My brain is pinging every time you say one of my like Capricorn buzzwords, like integrity, discipline, consistency, um, even being like I would say being a good steward or a good custodian of your gifts and resources is very Saturnian and, and very, you know, in the Capricorn rising in you. So I'm like just feeling you're so in your embodiment of your astrology, one, and two, just really important things to hear on the other side of that. And all these things are so empowering, truly, actually, like taking the power back to yourself. I'll be like, okay, right. I do have this ability to, again, with consistency, with changing habits, you know, be more in the energy that I want to live in. I have the ability to, you know, distinguish through data. And I'm interested to hear more about that, what intuitive data feels like to you to distinguish, you know, through different fear-based thoughts and really kind of honing on them, which ones are telling me something, which ones are just because I have a, maybe a physical or emotional need I have to take care of. And just that ability of like kind of yeah, calling your energy back to yourself a lot in a way that feels really, again, real, a real application of it. So when you talk about the like data and your intuition, and I'm curious maybe how this relates to like your career, because I'm very also curious to hear about like how you discovered that you were so good at this and what it felt like maybe the first time like a company was paying you and putting this on the line, how it felt for you. But can you give us an example of what it means to kind of like look for, again, this intuitive data, if you will. So I want to just, because I think language is so important because it targets what we do. You never look for anything in intuition. You set a target, a question, a goal, and then you allow the information, you allow your attention. And what is attention? It's your five senses. You allow your attention to be mobile and you document. You write it down or you speak it into your iPhone whatever documenting is for you. And then, and the problem with precognition, and it's the thing I think my students have the hardest time with, the problem with precognition is you can't, I can verify your hair color by looking at you. Precognition, I may see you as a redhead, but that's six months from now. It's incorrect in the present, but it is correct at the time I've predicted it for. So you don't get feedback your feedback loop is different with precognition. What's important and what I train my students to do is to carefully record their predictions and the predictions that others make for them. And then over time to say this was a hit, this was a hit, ooh, this was a miss. Why was this a miss? Did I misinterpret this data? Did I get distracted? what created them? Ah, this was a hit. This was a hit. And what, what happens with precognition, if you do it regularly, precognition being telling the future, is that you end up creating a timeline for yourself. One of the things we do on Instagram most mornings is I have people write down three goals and they number them one, two, and three. And then I pick a coin and I don't see the coin because people will read my mind. So I don't look at the coin either. I hold the coin. And we all then go into the intuitive process, which is simply saying, okay, this is my target. The corresponding goal for this number is my target. And now what do I notice? I notice a holiday stocking. I notice a pillar of light that looks a little phallic to me. I notice a coat getting ready to go out. Like you just notice what you notice, both in your environment and where your attention flies to. 
And if that were a question about love, it would be, oh, I'm going to meet a lover at a party that I put a coat on to go out to around the holiday season. And as you become a more skilled intuitive, that data becomes less kind of uh, allegorical, much more just a direct statement. Yeah, and then people tag other people who they don't know, and they do that same reading on that stair number goal, say goal number two. And then they get feedback, and the feedback is really helpful because often what your intuition will do, guided by your subconscious, guided by a knowledge that you're speaking to somebody else who isn't just going to utilize what you say unless you prove yourself, is you often give a little present or past that's verifiable. The nice thing about reading other people this way is you don't know them, you don't know what their goal is, you have no information. I mean, you have their name, that does give you some information, or their Instagram, whatever you call it, handle. And people can give feedback. Oh, you saw me sitting in a blue chair, I'm sitting in a blue chair right now. They get feedback. The great thing about reading for others is it trains you in clarity in how you speak to yourself as well. It's not that you're not getting the information. It's that very appropriately, your subconscious has learned to repress a lot of it. Healthy children repress intuition. You do not want a child to hear something in the news that's way above their pay grade and to be able to go there with their perceptions. You want, you know, in order to develop a healthy ego, children really do need to be in their mindfulness and their here and now, learn our what I call our consensus rules, and channel their intuition into creativity, but God forbid, not into prediction, not into feeling what someone else is feeling, not into being able to view a remote location. That we open up again, and our subconscious does a pretty good job if we're healthy of repressing intuition until intuition has a useful goal. Oh, I like that. An interesting reframe. I think because a lot of people obviously that I've worked with or, or talk with kind of say how intuitive they are as a child, obviously sort of shuts down and then it kind of usually comes back in some sort of <laughs> big dramatic gesture of some dark night of the soul or some sort of like your intuition just being like, we have to stop the current path we're on. So I like that reframe, but it's actually necessary and probably even for our actual protection and development to not have this open intuition as a little open body that's also figuring out so much of... Well, intuitive children are traumatized children. I was an intuitive child because there were no adults around. I had a manic depressive mother. I had a violent father. And I needed to know at two or three years old things that were way above my ability to learn. Now, I've had years of therapy to actually become a functional human being, but I was a brilliant intuitive at 20. I was just a mess as a person. And, you know, you can have all the information, but you actually have to have some structure to your ego, to your person, to employ it in a positive way. And, you know, you use one of my favorite buzzwords, integrity. And the integrity for a sociopath is very different than the integrity for a healthy person. People say, oh, you're intuitive, you must be so spiritual. No, a good bank robber, a good mass murderer who doesn't get caught is a good intuitive. You know, they're just not, their integrity is hopefully different than mine. Intuition doesn't have a good or bad check mark. Intuition is simply your ability to get the information you need. 
working with intuition within your integrity and nobody else should judge your integrity. You are the judge of your integrity. But it's important to be in integrity so that all the parts of you are on board. Because when you work against yourself emotionally, intuitively, in any way, you're the push-me-pull-you and Dr. Doolittle. You expend lots of energy and you go absolutely nowhere. And that is one of the most frustrating things in life. But I, I very much dislike the way that spirituality and intuition is used to pass judgment. I mean, you know, if you're stealing because you need to feed your family, I hope you're using your intuition to steal well, and I hope our world becomes a place where you don't have to do that. Another amen. Again, I need an amen button, like a choir singing behind me. It's so good. This is why I'm such a fan of yours. Beautifully said and really well articulated and, and really how intuition yeah, has no innate like spirituality or consciousness attached to it is, um, I think, a really, again, good thing to think about because then we do need, what do we bring to that and that integrity? And, and, and there's what are so we much judgment in it. I mean, people say, oh, you work for billion dollar companies. I'm like, those billion dollar companies employ people? Those billion-dollar companies create products you use. Those billion-dollar yeah. companies create the framework for our economy. It is within my integrity. If it's not within yours, don't do it. If you want to talk to angels, talk to angels. That's fine. Right. I actually want to help build our physical world. That's my integrity and my bias. Yes, yes, yes. There's a reason that you... Yeah, came to Earth, cap rising, and that zero degrees Aries. Maybe like if you were born a little bit, you know, earlier, but yeah, I'm a late degree Pisces. Bring it on. Let's talk to angels. But you're like, no, Aries, Capricorn, you are here to be trailblazer in the corporate space, in the space of also doing things that are really tangible and working with leaders. I'm not biased against angels. If an angel wants to talk to me, I'm completely open. It's just not, it's <laughs> yes. not where I put my practice. I find personally, coming from a very traumatized childhood, I find personally that the mechanics of living and living well, the mechanics of making a living, finding a partner, having supportive friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, those mechanics for me are the magic of life. Mm. So that's where I choose to apply it. I think that there are probably people who had more stable ego growth in their early years when the ego was supposed to grow stably, who do that second nature and are more interested in using intuition to expand in places that I had to expand to very early. So, I mean, I, I think that as long as you're using your intuition in a functional way for your life, then you're using it well. But I do very much dislike the judgment part of intuition. I remember uh, someone in my 20s saying, oh, if you do this, there'll be a rug pulling party. I'm like, who's going to pull the rug? I'm one with everything. I'm not pulling this rug. I want a sturdier rug. You know, like, <laughs> like who is this? I call spirit the blob because spirit is just the amalgam of all of our energies. Human is doing the hard work and it is hard to be a human. And we, we all do what we can with what we have, which is why it is so important, I think, for us to all recognize each other as teachers. It may not be the course we wanted to be in. It may not be the message that goes down easy. But 
I am very much left of center politically. And I look at the Trumpers. And yes, judgment definitely comes up. And I work with that. But I also say, okay, why? What do I need to learn here? This is a part of me. Where, where am I perpetuating this in the world? Where am I not supporting what I believe in as good in a way that this other part of reality feels they need to do this? And I think that when we think and behave and live inclusively, we grow, we learn, we're more effective, and we also live in a much friendlier world. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's so well said. And again, bring it to the practical. I love it. Is that an example of, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in a space of just wanting to be a quote unquote leader, a heart centered leader, just someone in their corner of the world, whether that's in business, in their family, in their art of just doing something where they can be part of, I think this new world we want to live in and just being more inclusive, more progressive, but that involves usually standing up, speaking out, or just, again, being really true to yourself is probably a good way of putting it with integrity to what's happening in our larger collective. And I know you work with a lot of leaders and talk about the power of, I don't know if you say power, I want to be careful with my language, but like that you talk about, you know, using intuition to really cultivate leadership. Is that like something in that same example, what you would say like, okay, a good leader wants to kind of look at that check judgment and sort of be curious about, you know, why someone would be doing something? Or can you use an example of like, how someone listening to this, okay, how can I apply this? So this is more an example of the evidence of how powerful heart-centered leadership is than of intuition itself. But Mm. employers have become much more sensitive to employees needing downtime. Our laws now include break time and uh, things like having spaces where people can be quiet or meditative or integrating having children nearby. And they're not doing that because it's heart-centered. They're doing that because it increases productivity. It decreases absences. And the reality is that sensitive leadership creates better profits. It has to work for a company. It is a company's, just like it is the individual's job to survive, it is the company's job to be profitable. However, the reality is what is profitable is heart-centered because if people function well together and function well in themselves, it creates more productivity. And so the best, most uh, solid leaders employ this and know this. And I have to say that some of the worst sinners in this category are actually the new age centers that have volunteers for free, they underpay, there's no health insurance. And you think, wow, you're a new age learning center? No, 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 no. You shouldn't be in business if you cannot pay an adequate wage if you cannot at least give in kind in terms of training people to do something that will make them a living in their world, the worst sinners are not the Fortune 500 companies. The worst sinners are these little retreats, I'm not going to name any, but these retreat centers that in many ways take people's 20s and 30s without giving them useful skills in the world 
and, you know, really create disasters. It's so important. And I say this to people also who go to intuitives. Don't give your power away. Don't give your safety away. In the circle, which is my fourth book and a practice I use every day, I have people create their pie, their integrity pie. This is what I need to function. This is what I need to feel good. And it has a lot of slices in it. You need shelter. You need enough to eat. You need purpose. You need community. You need health. You need fun. You need these things. Those are important things. And institutions that don't support them, and this is my judgment, I don't think really function well or should exist. And we, listen, we vote with our dollar. You know, look at where you shop because your vote is important. But we vote, we vote with our dollar. We vote with where we shop. We vote with where we give our time. We vote with not just our voice. And, you know, you were speaking about voice and how important it is to speak up. I'm a person who speaks up. And so I often get, you know, arrows thrown at me. I speak up. I have a big mouth and sometimes not a wise one. My husband is not someone who speaks up. My husband takes a position. He digs his heels in. You may not even know what the position is, but heaven help you if you try to go in the opposite direction because he is immovable. And in that way, he creates, in his way, a better world for us all. I mean, he's on the board of the Writers Guild and he quietly, methodically, with a great deal of authority, creates a better world for the whole guild. Just like there are different ways of being heart-centered, there are different ways of having impact. And I think that, you know, people will say, oh, you didn't speak up about this in Instagram. And I'm not, what is it? I'm not going to moral signal my group who already know, just so that people say, oh, wow, you know, she posted this in her, you know, that's not within my integrity, maybe within someone else's. And we need all the different shades. All the different shades. It's such a good point. And it really speaks to, yeah, like, again, everyone just owning your integrity, what your sort of impact is, and knowing that there was a diagram I saw years ago by Deepa Ayer, and it was like the ecological system that we need for a revolution. And it was essentially saying, you know, everyone has a role. Everyone has, you know, some people are the nurturers, some people are the protesters, some people are the designers. Like, and I remember reading it, it was in right before COVID, pandemic, all that. And I remember thinking, oh, what a relief that I don't have to be all of those things because I'm very mutable in my energy. So I, especially before, I used to really tend to shape shift. Like, okay, I'll be this, I'll be that. And it felt really nice just to know, like, show up in the way in integrity for you. Also, that comes easily to you. Those are your superpowers. And that's why I love astrology, even hearing about your husband, I'm like, does he have a lot of fixed energy, possibly Taurus in his chart? Because it sounds just like knowing your superpower, knowing your way of creating an impact is going to be different. Like you're in Aries. Of course, you're going to speak out sometimes. Of course, you're going to ruffle some feathers because that's what you're here to do. Like you're a little bit of a shit starter, rabble rouser, and people look to you and they feel inspired to own that in themselves. Whereas maybe if he has, I don't know his chart, but it sounds like he has that more fixed, soft, quieter, but just as like powerful, more of that like standing your sacred ground, which I love. And I think it really is a great invitation for everyone to own what comes to them intuitively, inherently, 
instead of trying to yeah do these things that are feel more performative. But also, you can choose. I mean, I was born. I'm the eldest of four in a dysfunctional family. I was born to nurture, but I choose also now to not use that strength. All the- mm. I choose to not be the human target for every battle. I have learned from my husband how to not react, not respond, and just stay on my path and move the energy that way. So, you know, I think that it's a good thing to question your roles. I wrote a book called Welcome to Your Crisis, and part of the process in that book is who's your superhero? And and do you want to be that anymore? We make choices all the time. We are so much richer as beings than we realize. But, and here I really want to give people something that they can do easily. It's important to know what is your goal. At this moment, that goal is going to shift. It's going to change as you live, as you get more information. But what is your goal? Because once you know what your goal is, and write it down, take it out of your messy head. Once you know what your goal is, you identify with it, you work with it as synchronicity happens, then intuition comes in very organically to both bring up the obstacles that you need to deal with methodically and intuitively and practically, but also bring up the opportunities, open those windows you didn't even know were there. I often use the idea that if you grew up without doors and you didn't know what a door was, you wouldn't know that to turn the handle and push, it would open and you'd be in a different space. And part of what intuition does for us is it demonstrates things we have no prior experience of. And it does that in response to a question, a goal, or a need. I mean, that is what Welcome to Your Crisis is all about, really, the gift of crisis, although I've tried to learn in my lifetime to do it another way, to get those gifts another way. But often in crisis, we excel, we thrive. And we do that because our intuition is about survival. And in order to survive, we need to bring up extraordinary abilities we didn't know we had. We need to bring in extraordinary paths of good fortune we didn't know were available. And we become so much more. There is a way to do that without crisis, but it takes a lot of awareness. I tend to do it with crisis. I am still, as we all are, a work in progress. Ah, I keep it so real, but no, that's beautiful. I love like, yeah, the goal, the thing you're working towards, the, and again, usually sometimes crisis does crack that open in us is such a nice, again, way to understand how our intuition flows. And like you said, it's not something we're going after, but once we kind of set that target, if you will, in some way, your intuition is like, okay, here we go. Here's what you need, the problem or the solution or the signs. or And signs are interesting because often people take obstacles as signs they're going in the wrong direction. Instead of signs they're going in the right direction, here's the obstacle that time and time again has you, you know, running back to an old way of being. Why don't we just deal with that obstacle? You know, your whole life is a sign. Yes, the penny heads up is a sign. Maybe the broken mirror is a sign. But so is everything else. So is the fact that you had great socks you didn't know you had in your sock drawer. I mean, (laughs) everything in your life is speaking to you. 
And you are speaking to everything and everyone in your life all the time and learning how that dance can be not just harmonious, but can make a the ripple that you were speaking about before that can make a ripple toward what it is you want. That is the appropriate use of intuition. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Well, I could, obviously, I'm sure everyone says to you, talk to you all day, but I do want to honor your time. Was there the template you mentioned before? Was that something we already discussed? Or is that something you wanted to share with people? I would love to pick it out here at the end. And you can have mini goals in different situations. But no, right now, what are you building? It's not that you want to find a partner and you don't care about the rest of your life. But you're giving your intuition a context. Everything has the context of finding a partner. And perhaps I need to get a great job in order to do that well. It's interesting how your whole life reassembles around that goal. But pick a goal, stick to it, because the information will transform you and there's a reason you want that. Document the people, the events, the ideas, the thoughts, the things you all of a sudden want to research that come in from left field. Document them because what you will find is over time, they create a predictive timeline for you. Also, use your sleep state. In sleep, we don't need to use our intuition for survival because most of us are fortunate enough to sleep in a safe place. So before you go to sleep, remember to write down what it is your goal is or your question or someone you want to work out a problem with. And then go to sleep and allow your intuition, when it has less on its screen, to do its work. Dreams are messy and complicated. They're your subconscious vomit, a little precognition, a little intuition, blah, blah, blah. But where your attention is when you wake up is often indicative of where a little bit of energy, understanding, revelation, effort is needed. So notice where your attention is. I always notice who I'm thinking of when I wake up and I text them. And it's always the moment something's happened in their life. And I'm so glad that I was able to be a part of it. Also, you will experience your own intuition with clarity if you engage in good intuitive housekeeping, which is what conversations am I having in my head telepathically that I should reroute to conversations I want to have. And that takes a lot of discipline. You may have to do that literally a thousand times in a day. You know, you're in an argument with someone. Is this productive? Is it, what's your goal here? Once again, everything needs a target. What's your goal? If it's not productive, change the dialogue or reroute to a productive conversation. Use discipline. Also, who's in me? You suddenly feel down. Take a breath. Get involved in activity. Fill yourself with you. Be mindful. And you will notice then as that energy moves out of you because you're inhabiting you, who it is and what you want to do about it. If anything, maybe all you need to do is inhabit yourself. Allow your intuition to be and your, your attention to be in the present where you can make a difference. And notice how many different places you wander into energetically mm -hmm. because you need to be in whatever place in point time you are right now to make a change. And there, there are many different parts of you know, if you're in the future all the time, what it really means to me isn't that, oh my God, something's coming up. 
What it means to me is that something's in your present that's really bothering you that you're avoiding that would be best dealt with. So it's very, very important to really practice good psychic self-defense. And then you will have absolute clarity. Mm, Such good again. I love that. And practice. You know, we practice every day. And practicing on other people is important. I am my own worst intuitive. You are your own worst intuitive. You know what you hope. You know what you fear. You don't see what you don't see. You're trapped by your pattern. Someone else with perspective can give you an on-target reading to work with. And you can do that even as a novice for someone else. Mm. And of course, don't give your power away. Document, see what works, see what doesn't work. Maybe you think something's you know, crazy when you hear it. And then over time you see, oh no, you know, this was correct and maybe I need to now entertain this, make the shift. My favorite position of attention is the idea that positive thinking is as toxic as negative thinking. If you're a positive thinker and a bullet's coming toward you and you say, okay, things will be okay, that bullet will hit you. If you're a negative thinker and all you can focus on is the bullet, you don't see your escape route. Mm -hmm. Empowered, realistic thinking. This is how it is right now. And I can do something about it. What do I need to do? Empowered, realistic thinking. And it doesn't have to do with having faith in yourself. We all feel, or most of us feel insecure most of the time. But do it anyway. So you fail. So there's mud on your face. You know, make well-reasoned decisions Mm. that aren't irreparable, hopefully. But don't expect to feel good about doing something new. You're always vulnerable when you're doing something new. Empowered, realistic thinking. I love that so much. Well, oh, Laura, this was truly, like I I hope everyone listened to me and brought their pen and paper because there were some really juicy gems in there. And if people, which I'm sure they are, are going to be dying to like, you know, learn more about you and, and kind of get more immersed in your work is the best way for them to find you through Instagram or your website, both? I'm lauraday.com is my website or practicalintuition.com. Laura Day Intuit is my Instagram. And I really, I think our power is in community. Mm-hmm. So most of the work that is done there are people doing readings and healings in community for one another. Mm-hmm. And then I, gu- I guide them through as the grandmother. And I have um, some lessons on on YouTube. I try to create materials because I do think that intuition is our way in and it's our way out. Uh Intuition gives us choices and choices allow us to master our life and our world. Hello. Hello. Goodbye. Everything you say is just like, "Mm, I just want to eat it up with a knife and fork. Laura, thank you so much. Baddies, if this episode rocks your world in any way, please tag Laura in like a soundbite or an aha, because let's give her some love. Let's give her some props for sharing this information so generously here on the pod. Laura, let's definitely stay in touch. I'm a huge fan of yours and thank you so much. And I am now a huge fan of yours. Thanks for having me. Do you love getting your Cosmic Rx for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access 
to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.